We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 247 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I'm actually alone today. As you might have noticed by the runtime, we're doing something a little different on this one. Barca and podcasts don't really care about schedules and our personal lives, but we have to. So while I did have time to individually make some YouTube content, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to have a second show this week with Frances or a guest to react to the awesome Sevilla Ramatada or have one final rundown of the presidential election that will be taking place on Sunday. So the good news is, after you listen to a whole lot of me today, the next time I get to talk to Frances, we'll have a lot of stuff to go over. So what we are doing today is I want to give you my reaction to the Sevilla comeback. So I ripped the audio right from YouTube, and we're going to follow that up with a pretty detailed rundown again of the presidential election that's taking place on Sunday. So first up is my review of the Sevilla match. All right, Dan, take it away. Another Copa del Rey match of Barcelona and another win. You know, I don't like to get over emotional with these match reviews, so I'm going to start all the way in the beginning, and then I'm going to work my way up into the fever that was happening in my living room today. Let's start with the lineup. It was the same as the weekend, but what would be the tactical nuance? That was obviously the question. But I don't necessarily mean from Barca. I mean from Sevilla. For starters, Lopetegui made six changes to his lineup, and Nasiri came in, as did Oliver Torres, who was a bit more youthful than Rakitic, and I think just an all-around better player at the moment, though I'm not sure if he's quicker or more mobile, like people were saying. Sousa was on the right, Acuna was at left back, who returned after a month on the sideline, Alesh Vidal was at right back, and Vasilevic even took the spot of Bono in net. And Acampos was able to make the bench, and we'd see him later in the match. The one surprise for Barca was not that Pedri was starting, but that Pedri was fit at all and was able to play in this match. The big difference tactically from Lepertegui was playing a high press. And why not? Force a Barca back line that have made quite a few mistakes this season in possession to beat you out of the back and not allow Barca to play vertically as they did over the weekend. The first good opportunity though, as Barcelona started with a bit of hunger and fight, Messi leads Dest who crosses low and hard and neither De Jong nor Dembele can get a shot off. Dembele does get a shot off a few seconds later though, too strong on that one. Early indications were that Dest was going to have a lot of room on that right side and that didn't really change. Chances came early and often for Barcelona. De Jong, Dembele, Dembele, Lengle, and again, plenty of deaths on that right wing. Dembele was absolutely buzzing to start this game. Battling with Koundé to keep possession, this is what leads to the first goal. It comes back to him outside of the box, and you know, I think we tend to overuse the term Galazzo in English. 
but that was a freaking galazzo. I have no idea why Sevilla defenders backed off him in that situation, but at the highest level, you can't fall asleep like that, and that is a discredit to that Sevilla defense. And what created that chance? Dest again with space on the right. Messi was also overloading that right side, and Sevilla obviously having to choose between Dest and Messi, they choose to deal with Dest one-on-one and always make sure Messi has at least two guys around him. The problem for Dest was that he couldn't get past Acuna again and again and again with that step-around move. And I think for Dest, he seemed healthy, he seemed fit. I thought he was livelier than he's been since he's returned. But trying the same thing over and over and over again wasn't working for him today. And it was, I think, a frustrating one for the American. Though the importance that he brought to the width and his positioning would come back to help Barcelona later. Pedri, I guess I'll talk about him here. I could talk about him at the end. Talk about him here. For a guy that was supposed to be injured, and you can say it was misdiagnosed, His ball recoveries in this were 10 of 10. As I do with my numbers, I only really mention it when I give a guy a 10 of 10. I don't necessarily give Pedri a 10 of 10 on the match as far as his performance, but his ball recoveries were vital in that first half to keep putting Barca on the front foot. I had spoken about, whether it was on Twitch, whether it was on the podcast, that not only winning the aerial duels, but picking up that second ball and making sure that you're constantly applying pressure when you lose the ball is how Barca were able to stay on the front foot on the weekend, and they did exactly the same thing here, even though Sevilla was trying something different with their tactics. 31st minute, nice build-up from Barca. Messi to Alba and De Jong was crashing, but couldn't get there in time. Barca still closer, though, at that moment to their second than Sevilla to their first. A few moments later, it was a long shot from Pedri that went wide. Then Messi dribbling inside the box at a wide angle. Acuna saving the deflection off the line. Yeah, there was a little bit of nerves at that moment thinking, uh-oh, are Barca going to have too many chances and not finish? If Barca didn't need that extra goal to tie it up, though, you would have been able to enjoy the defensive effort and discipline from the Blagrana. Five minutes before halftime, Dembele ran 70 yards to support PK, who is trying his best to come back to defend Elise Vidal on the counterattack, but way too slow. And to see Dembele have that fight, have that desire, this was a team effort today. Yeah, I'm already getting a little excited, and Barca haven't even scored their second yet. We're getting there. First half, 63 possession for Barcelona. The heat map was a 2-3-2-3, with Des alongside Dembele and Messi up top, Alba actually staying at home beside Busquets and Mingueza on the other side. And having Alba staying disciplined in this match Really, really important as well. As much as we don't think of too many Alba moments until late in that second half or extra time, Alba's defensive positioning, rock solid to build the base of what would become a game that Barcelona dominated from start to finish. Start the second half, to be a little bit of fight, sure. 53rd minute, you get some changes too. Three changes to be exact. Rakitic, Rekic, and Jesus Navas in for Luke de Jong, Vidal, and Acuna. 62nd minute, Ocampos for Torres and Griezmann for Dest, which makes sense heat map-wise. Dembele out to the right, Griezmann in front of Messi and Dest coming off, as I mentioned. 67th minute, Alba off the crossbar. What a chance, again a chance. It was Dembele lofting it into the box. And this is the moment, I think the one true moment of doubt. 71st minute, now obviously yes, this would have been a difference in the tie, but having just come off that Alba shot off the crossbar in the 71st minute when Mingueza brings down Ocampos, who was a step in the box and... I mean, this one, there's no debate here. This is a penalty kick. Ter Stegen, I mean, you can speak down maybe a little bit in the comments here. Apparently, there's a contingent of Kool-Aids that are out on Ter Stegen and think he should be sold and they're done with him at the club. Not only have I not really seen too much of that until today when people were fighting the other side of it that he belongs at Barcelona, but I don't understand that at all. Ter Stegen so many times over the last few seasons have kept Barcelona in these matches. And again tonight, keeps them alive by guessing right. There had to be, at that moment though, that extra bit of belief. And I'll get to that in a minute. 78th minute, Ies Mariba and Junior for, for Sergio Busquets and Oscar Mingueza. Papo Gomez also on for Sevilla. I talked about Ies Mariba after the weekend match against Sevilla, and those sentiments continued. He has shown the player that he is able to be at Barca B, 
And when his teammates have improved around him at Barcelona, again, no disservice to the Barca B players, but playing with the first team, his teammates are even better, and those are amplifying the things that Ias Mariba does well. He fights for balls. He wins aerial duels. Not all of them, but enough of them. He has a positional sense that is absolutely divine. It is clearly, clearly evident when you watch this player in the same way with Puj or Messi, Xavi, you can name all of them. Even the ones farther down the list in Carlos Alenia. There's something about academy products who can break into the Barca first team, and he has all the evidence that this is a player that has spent years in the academy that fully understands how to play in, when I say this system, I mean a system that is built with Sergio Busquets and Messi and PK and players that have been there and been a part of this Barca team for a long, long time. And so him fitting in as comfortably as he did, again, I'm not going to talk about him too much, but his spacing as far as stretching wide when he need to, winning the battle in the middle of the field when he needed to, superb from Ies Moriba. The pace of the game, however, did slow down when Griezmann came in. Not necessarily anything he did wrong, but rather Sevilla really sitting back at this point, holding on to that one nothing. About 10 minutes remaining plus extra time, there was another shot for a handball. I don't understand how that's not a handball on a compost. I guess I get it, and there was also criticism that Pedri should have got the shot off earlier and not just dinked it over to Messi, but hey, what are you going to do? 89th minute, Pedri comes out, and Dembele also is removed for Brathwaite and Trincao. I was a little worried here because it felt like it could have been time-wasting against Barcelona. They were taking their own time off the clock, and there just wouldn't be enough opportunities at that moment. Late on, second yellow for Fernando, who took his grand old time coming off the field. And again, I thought it was a little bit too late to be able to capitalize on that extra man unless they were able to come back. It was all Barcelona late, of course. Sevilla desperately hanging on. It was certainly Barcelona with the mental edge, with the belief that they could tie this up. Pique sitting up as a striker for about the last six, seven minutes of this match. Junior Firpo, position-wise, also playing in front of Trincao to constantly be another bigger body in that box. And then Griezmann fakes a man out of his shoes, and Sevilla definitely missing Fernando on this ball sent back in. And the header, the finish by who else but Gerard Pique. He's had plenty of criticism, especially after PSG. A lot of Kool-Aid's out on him, but he made his keep today. So what was the game plan going to be in extra time? With Barca up a man. And by the way, Barca with their fifth extra time this season for the first time in club history. Real Sociedad, an athletic club in the Super Cup, and then Cornea, Granada, and Sevilla in the Copa del Rey. Tired legs could certainly be a factor, and I actually think that's what happened in the first leg. It was tired legs for Barcelona. In extra time, though, of this one, these legs were healthy, and these legs, that being Barca's, were ready to go with the extra man. Junior Firpo, so close to a ball that was lofted in by Messi. Sevilla in a 5-4 at that moment. Obviously, didn't have that one up top. And Junior Firpo getting another shot a few moments later. 3-0, I've already spoken about Ies Moriba, goes to collect the ball on a half-hearted clear, sets himself, surveys the field, sends it over to Lengle, gives it to Alba, and an Alba cross in for Brathwaite, getting right in between Kunde and Diego Carlos, who absolutely fall asleep. We saw Diego Carlos have trouble in the first 45 minutes against Barcelona, and the first extra time, he ran out of gas. Once again, Lepertegui saw it on Saturday, but Diego Carlos had to stay in this one, and Brathwaite made the run and finished between Kunde and Diego Carlos. But this season is this season, so nothing does come easy. VAR says no handball against Langley because it went off his chest. Thank goodness for this one. I felt like the narrative was supposed to go a certain way, and this not being a penalty for Sevilla means the narrative gets to stay this way. PK did look like he injured himself in the second half extra time. Didn't look good, but he did finish the match, so that might be a positive sign. And Dembele, we saw go off. He might have a calf injury. We'll see what happens there. Trincao getting a shot blocked, though. It was still nervy. Every moment in that second overtime, a reminder that this could be taken away from Kool-Aid in a second. But the word that I keep coming back to in this match from start to finish, now that we've seen the whole picture, and sure, maybe it's just the narrative trying to say this, but this felt inevitable. And I think you understand what I mean 
When we think of those big matches, quote-unquote big matches that Barcelona have had recently, obviously in the Champions League more so than any other, but even in the Liga, it's always felt inevitable that if Barca go down a goal or go down two goals, that they just aren't going to have enough to come back. But from that first goal was scored, you felt a weird calm. At least I did. I felt a weird calm because Barca were coming back again in the Copa del Rey this season. Something they have done. It felt familiar when I think about Granada and all those feelings there. And that's why I keep coming back to the word inevitable. That's how it feels in football when you're watching a match. When the result feels like it can only go one way. When one team is just dominating another team. They're the only ones getting chances. They're the only ones getting opportunities. And that was Barcelona today. You can see what this means to Messi, to the players, to the veterans. I haven't said his name yet other than the beginning. But Coleman, for the second straight match in a row now, has got it right. And you have to say, since 2021 began, Ronald Coleman has not, maybe, he has been the best manager in Spain. Barcelona have the most points in La Liga since 2021 started. Barcelona have now moved on to the final of the Copa del Rey that has taken place in the last two months when there were plenty of matches. He got PSG way wrong. Barcelona did not have the talent against PSG. They didn't have the fight that was also required to be the underdogs in that situation. He got that one wrong, and he got the first leg of this match wrong as well. Even if Barcelona don't come back against PSG, what Coleman has done since 2021 started makes him deserving of quite a lot of credit. You can still question, is he the man for the long-term future of Barcelona? Is it going to be revisited? He's the man even for next season. But for now, not only does he deserve to finish out the rest of this season, but you really have to ask that question if you're doubting Coleman at the moment. We're going to have a new president in four days, so this is a great week that keeps on coming. And it's not going to be surprising at all if that new president, most likely the Porta, immediately comes in with a lot of institutional faith for Coleman. Not only is it the right thing to say, but Coleman actually deserves that institutional faith at the moment. So cool days, once again, we get to celebrate a romantada, a comeback, again against Sevilla, now twice in four seasons. And that means that Barcelona will face Levante or Athletic Club in the Copa del Rey final. Inevitable. I keep saying it. That's what the 2011 Champions League final felt like, and I know we all love that feeling. What we will all also love is having a new president at Barcelona. Barcelona and I went into pretty deep detail the last podcast, but this is a more bite-sized rundown of the main talking points and the best understanding we have of all three candidates' projects. The thesis of this did kind of turn into how Laporta became the overwhelming favorite. So without further ado, your three candidates. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's join. Finally, after four months of waiting, Barcelona's presidential elections will take place on Sunday. And by Sunday evening, we should have a new president of FC Barcelona. And what a week for this to happen. This is the same week that former President Jose Bartomeu was arrested in connection to the i3 Ventures scandal and where those payments were going for said scandal. I want to be clear up front. This video is not vouching for one individual candidate, but there is a heavy favorite, of course, as you can tell by the title. To be quite frank, all three of the candidates, regardless of who it is, are going to be dealing with the same situation as in the financial and economic crisis that Barcelona is currently dealing with from day one of the job. Some major questions will be asked immediately of the new president, such as, can they keep the structure of the club the same, or will a minority part of the club need to be sold to pay off the egregious short-term debt that the club now finds itself in? You know I love talking about players and tactics and things on the field, but Barcelona is about to have a new president, so we're going to talk about some of the things that are going on behind the scenes, and some of the things that are going to shape the future of the club for years to come. Some other questions that all three would answer the same way, how fast can fans get back safely in the stands? Because unfortunately, this isn't up to the presidential candidates, but instead the local Catalan health officials and more broadly, the Spanish government. It's not rocket science that getting fans back in those seats and getting people back in the museum will immediately be a help to making revenue in a hurry. The club is still in some financial trouble, but that trouble lessens or grows by the day depending on when fans can return. In a little more distant future, there is the discussion point about a potential Super League. This doesn't matter now, but it is something that could rear its ugly head in the very near future, especially if tension related to the pro-independence view held by both Laporta and Font put the club in a precarious position in La Liga. This is not a new concept, and a discussion of that ilk is not for this American sitting thousands of miles away to decide what's best for anybody involved. It's just a point to remind people that it could exist. The last thing I want to say before we go over the three candidates is that while we are usually talking matches, players, and sometimes transfers, this is politics. Don't get that twisted. That means by the time this is out, most people are in their camp and they aren't leaving. Gosh darn it. And all indications from Mundo Deportivo polls to just a gut feeling, Juan Laporta is the overwhelming favorite and it's no longer close, if it ever was. So while I will be discussing Tony Frescia and Victor Font first, it's because it's easier to compare the pros and cons for each of them against the backdrop of what has made Laporta the heavy favorite. So let's talk Tony Frescia first. I think he may somehow have pulled ahead of Font as a second choice, but only because he always had his own voting block and Laporta is peeling off people that were going to vote for Font and have switched to the former president. The thing working against Frescia the most is that while he is trying to distance himself from the previous regime, he was a member of that board until 2015. Laporta was Rizal and Bartomeu's boss, but taking orders from them is something that Frescia hasn't been able to sidestep. He has leaned into some of the ways he hopes to fix the finances, including a deal with Hong Kong-based company DSDAC, I mean, someone can let me know how to pronounce that one in the comments below, who will pay Barcelona 60 million euros per year to be the main sponsor. 
He has also confirmed that the strategic business project put forth by Bartomeu called Barca Corporate could be a way to relieve some of the club's debt. Frescia has said that there is an offer of around 250 million euros to purchase 49% of Barca Corporate, which would be helpful, but would immediately raise questions as to who holds what power in the club. On the topic of Xavi, and yes, the use of the legend's name is going to wear you down in this video, Frescia has said that he sees Xavi as the B-team coach and then eventually the first-team manager. There are a few more things to say about Frescia, but honestly, his path to victory is both narrow and mainly in line with socios in Catalan society who are not watching this video. And since I mentioned Xavi Hernandez, let's pivot to Victor Font. The current manager of Al Saed in Qatar, winning trophies hand over foot there by the way, can be credited with both building Font's case for the presidency and arguably destroying it. Due to Laporta being the heavy favorite and Xavi also having a good relationship with him, the Barca legend has stayed out of committing to one candidate, though he's the most important person in Font's project. Font not only has said that Xavi would be his general manager, but potentially his first team manager down the line. But he's doubled down on the connection Xavi will have to him if he wins, going so far as to say, if anyone finds statements from Xavi that are not true, I will lead the electoral race. At the last debate, he once again said that Xavi, Jordi Cruyff, more on him in a second, Tito Blanco, and another person that cannot be named are crucial to his project. Blanco, who was a sporting director at Levante for a time, was to coordinate grassroots efforts with the help of Juan Vila and Albert Benegas. Tony Nadal, uncle of tennis star Rafael Nadal and brother of Miguel Angel Nadal, has also been named as a major figure in the project. Most recently, Font has pushed hardest for electronic voting and has gone out on a limb with a plan to bring back 25,000 fans to the Camp Nou starting April 4th. Ambitious goals indeed. The project that Font put forth, hinting at many of these names for months now, made a lot of sense before Laporta came along. Then, all of a sudden, Xavi had to sit on the fence. As did Jordi Cruyff, who could still be a firm candidate to be Laporta's sporting director, though Mark Overmars has also been rumored. So instead of speaking about how Laporta deflated Font's chances, let's just spin it as to why Laporta is the favorite. To me, there are three big reasons why he's so far out in front. More than anything else, he's done it before as Barca president. Yes, he was close to having a vote of no confidence against him when he was president, but he didn't. Barca had their most successful era ever, and the team he built are huge reasons why. And unlike in 2015 when he couldn't unseat Bartomeu, who was just coming off a treble win, this again feels like Laporta's political moment. Oftentimes politics isn't just about who is the best for the job, but rather who the voters feel is the best for the moment. And Laporta certainly fulfills that second criteria with great effect. Aside from the financial situation, Laporta is looking at another huge challenge, and that is forming a team as good as he did the first time. Chiqui Bajiristain, Ferran Soriano, Mark Ingla, architects of Barca's greatness are all doing their thing elsewhere, like at Man City with Pep Guardiola. Johan Cruyff, meanwhile, is no longer around to give the advice that Laporta so wisely took during his first term as president. Reason two is what we've kind of already gone over, and it's also kind of politics 101. From the day Laporta announced he was running, he became the favorite because he can fall back on previous accomplishments, and most crucial in politics, he has the most name recognition. This allowed him to keep his project largely a secret, even declining the debates until the 28th of February, when 20,000 plus mail-in ballots had already been handed in. If associate requested to vote by mail, they must do so in that fashion, and this is a savvy political calculation by Laporta. Similarly, he waited for the presentation of his sporting project until last week, and as I mentioned when discussing Font, that presentation might have been the final nail in the coffin for the other two candidates. Victor Valdez, Jose Ramon Alazanco, Matteo Alemani, and Albert Bananas, the last of which was another figure who was supposed to be part of Font's project, were all in attendance. The last major reason he's the favorite is the one that is the least provable, and that's his relationship with Messi. When he says that the other two won't be able to convince Messi to stay and he will, he could be lying, but at least the statement that he has the best chance to convince him to stay is very true, based on their relationship. And speaking of relationships, 
that cult of personality around Laporta has been used as an advantage in this campaign that it wasn't in 2015. From the poster in Madrid to hinting at the relationship he has with Mino Rayola, hint hint Erlen Holland and a ridiculous amount of good footballers, Laporta could be a force in transfer negotiations with his great charisma. Understanding the moment, he's also been the most adamant with the support of Ronald Koeman, though it's no surprise that he shared these sentiments in recent interviews as the team has been in great form in 2021 when most of the interviews have been conducted. Yet, it has been rumored that Markel Arteta, the Arsenal boss, is one of the options to occupy the Barca bench on Laporta if Koeman doesn't continue next season. He has also thrown cold water on the idea of Xavi coming right in and taking over, a political calculation that doesn't seem to have backfired in any way. And what part of his plan has he already revealed? Well, aside from some personnel, he has mentioned that digital initiatives will be part of the economic response. And speaking of, did you know that I co-host the pregame show The Locker Room on FC Barcelona's official Twitch channel? That usually takes place at 8 o'clock CET, the day before every match, so check that out. Anyway, Laporta has also mentioned that entertainment will be a part of the financial recovery plan as well. So obviously, I'm intrigued to see what that's all about. I'm not a big fan of conflict, as those who watch me try to diffuse the negativity in the comment section know, and I am glad to see the arguing amongst presidential candidate supporters be over. In a perfect world, Laporta wins and absorbs Font and many of his ideas, making him a board member or something. I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. They are quite alike, though, and that's what's been so frustrating about this election, other than the whole waiting way, 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 way too long for it. If you actually consider the methods that both Laporta and Font want to use to lead the club, they are very similar. I think we waste our energies as Kool-Aids fighting against the concept of defining who is a Nunista and who is a Cravista. I've heard so many things about Font being in the pocket of Bartomeu and being a devout Nunista, and I don't really get that. You can call Laporta a Cravista by any definition, because he knew and took counsel from Johan Cruyff, obviously. But even though Font has fumbled his message at times and gone against Laporta, as any other candidate in a political race would do, He's also indicated that his methods and personnel closely align with what you'd expect from a Crafista. This isn't a defense of the way Font has stumbled to finish his campaign. This is just the point that politics, and more unfortunately the tribalism that comes with social media, makes us think that two things that are quite alike must be opposites because they are in direct competition. Regardless of who wins, maybe I should hedge this and just say when Laporta wins, I'll be overjoyed that Barcelona have a new president. And part of that excitement comes from this new president getting to lead the club out of the wilderness that it's been in for the last few months. I'm excited about not only what's happening on the field, but what's going to happen behind the scenes. Yes, the club is in a dangerous financial situation. The economic crisis is dire. But Sunday starts a new day, and kool can once again have faith that the things going on behind the scenes are not only to benefit them, the fans, but that the club will be healthy for many, many years to come, as bad as the situation may be. Regardless of the match against Osasuna, I'll still be pumped about a new president. Finally. And I don't just mean Brazil and Bartomeu. I mean since this presidential election was supposed to take place to begin with. And I appreciate that for our listeners who are still with me, if you're willing to wait for a new president, then hopefully you're willing to wait for the next podcast when I actually get to talk to another human being. And since it's just me, I'll take less time to do the plugs at the end here. Twitter, Instagram, closed Facebook group, Patreon, YouTube, you know the drill. And as always, until next time, Forza Barca.